When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Brian Tetta, executive producer of The View. It's Monday, and I'm here with Sarah Haynes. This is Behind the Table. Hello, Sarah Haynes. Hello, Brian. How are you? I am good. How was your weekend? We went out with some of our dear friends. One happens to be a neighbor. And we left and got there at 4.30 with the kids because these families, all our kids overlap. We came home after midnight. My kids, literally, Sandra said, Papa, have I ever stayed up past midnight? We're like, nope. You were enjoying yourself. Is that a, a fair? You, you look we cool. had imbibed. Yeah. Uh, I, now, I refuse. I don't like to drink and feel it the next day because kids don't discriminate what mm-hmm. day of the week it is or if you went out or not. So I actually woke up feeling great and did a Peloton uh, a spin test. Oh, wow. Gosh, you go out for the night and then you come back and you're on the Peloton. We That's never impressive. miss a workout. The workout sets my mental tone for the day. I can't skip it. All right. Well, we are. It's like I have a twin. Um, all right. Exactly. So, Same yeah, We're so alike. <laughs> uh, in other news, yesterday, two gigantic football games. This was what my weekend was all about. Yes. I was very excited. Did you watch? Yes. Oh, you did, did watch. Good. What did you think? It was, um, it was awesome. I mean, it was... Um, what was the Ravens? Yes, the Baltimore Ravens. The other you team. You watched closely. I watched Taylor's team and the other team. Yes, it but was the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Baltimore Ravens. I also like Patrick Mahomes. Like, yes, me too. I'd met him over the years with his wife, and they're lovely. Kansas City is also my nephew and niece's team. Mm-hmm. So the Chiefs are as exciting as University of Iowa anything to us. So by extension, I started to follow the Chiefs. I have Chiefs gear and things. So now after the game, you saw I'm sure you saw Taylor on the field yes. with Travis. It was very sweet. So sweet. Are you coming around here that this is real love? I mean, this feels like in the beginning you were a little dubious. It feels like publicity. Well, I was worried about Taylor yeah. more yeah. the whole time. Mm-hmm. But I now I've heard um, Tony Gonzalez was saying uh, off air what a great guy he is. Yes. And I'd heard that. That kind of personal endorsement makes me feel a little better. Yes. Um, because I just think, I mean, Taylor Swift is next level. So if you're dating her, I don't want to hear about a blotchy past of cheating or anything else. It's going to, it's going to put me on high alert. Yeah. All right. But I I think, I don't know. It looks real to me. Yeah. It looks very sweet. sweet. Yeah. Yeah. It looks really sweet. All right. Um, on the show today, we talked about text chains. Yes. And when you intentionally leave someone out of a text chain, which led to Alyssa wondering if she's been left out of a text chain on the show. So I... (laughs) I personally feel the need to get ahead of this because I can see the articles coming already in my head. But I know what's happening here. So there is a text chain from about two years ago that Whoopi put an end to because she didn't want to be a part of it anymore. Yep, I remember that one. And Joy, when she gets passionate about something... Goes to the wrong text chain. Goes to an old text chain and starts firing off things, which is what happened this weekend. She was on one of her... Rants. Rants. It's the only way to put it. Yep. In the middle of the football games, which I was not in the mood for. You think she was watching the football games? No, but I'm trying to pay attention. Yeah. And she's just going, 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 and nobody else is responding. I knew Sonny would be the first one, though. And then Sonny responds eventually, Because once the ping pong game starts, Sonny's in there, and to watch them 
go back and forth. Yes. Do you remember the royal weddings and all the different? Yes. That took so much out of my life. My phone blew up and I didn't know how to silence it. And yeah. It was awful. But anytime Joy sends a text, Jane, because, you know, Joy's been here for 26 years. Yeah. I have to go back and make sure there aren't other hosts on it. It's very good. <laughs> it could be, no, she she's could be di- texting Star Jones in the middle of this. It's yeah. And then she gets who dis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> it could go any. It could go a lot of different ways. Um, speaking of joy, when she was on last week, she talked about how she teases people, and the only ones she knows can take it and actually like it are you and Meredith Vieira. You both loved being teased in Joy's estimation. What, what do you? Th- what's your response to that? So it's a. This is a visual response, but my jaw is dropped. Mm-hmm. Um, one, I know that about Joy, and I love that about Joy. Because she's hilarious, and from the point I met her, I may be the object of what she's saying, and all I care about is the good laugh. And I take it in stride, even watching my, like, meltdown and laughing and then watching her respond to that. Like, it's just a self-fulfilling, beautiful thing. To be compared to Meredith Vieira in any lifetime, in any moment, any conversation, it, to me, is the biggest compliment you could give me. All right. Well, there you go. I uh, also enjoy teasing you. I would never deign to tease Meredith Vieira. We had a listener question last week from Jennifer in Philly, and she was asking the co-host, what is the most pivotal game-changing moment in their life? Do you have a pivotal moment? Is there one thing that you point to? Yes. The two years I left the show. Oh. And like really grounding. I loved this show. You know this. Like, yes. I love the show. I would have left for nothing. In fact, I came and maybe stupidly just thought I'd die here. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're lucky, you can. But um, so only being offered a show when Michael came to me and said, you know, I, I, I want to do a show with you. I'm not. Michael I'm not, Strahan. Michael Strahan. Yes. Sorry. I'm not going to miss an opportunity because I always say regret is a bigger load than fear. For those who don't know, you were offered a chance to do a show with Michael Strahan. Yep. So let me be clear. Working with Michael Strahan and eventually Kiki Palmer, they were, I miss them all the time. Yeah. The laughter, the joy, even the staff. But what? But the show didn't really have a chance out of the gates. It, we fumbled, all of us, through the whole thing. Meanwhile, I go through finding out I'm pregnant unexpectedly and really dropping into a depression, having major postpartum depression as I tried to race back to save a drowning ship, which was our show, six weeks after having a baby. And then all I remember when the pandemic hit and they did the pandemic hour and we hear they're going to keep that. We didn't know when the pandemic was ending. It wasn't the two weeks we were told. So the show continues and eventually we get a phone call like, you know, we're not going to change that. We need this informative hour, you know, going forward. I was a wreck, like really rocked. And I remember Max saying to me, it's not even what you thought it'd be. Like, why are you, why are you so upset? And I remember hearing it and not knowing what to say and stopping, checking in with myself and being like, it was its potential that I was mourning. It was the dream I'd always had. And out of the gates, it almost never was that. But I was so determined not to fail and to not let go that I was being dragged behind a car, essentially, or metaphorically. So I remember that was like the I I came back to this show actually was so grateful to be called because I you don't get two chances unless you're Joy Bayard. (laughs) And I'm not. I wish I went. But I got to come back, which I was grateful for. But I came back like a bit of a shell of myself. I remember and I think I've said this before, 
the first day coming back, I thought, Sarah, you know how to do this. You've done this before. In fact, with the same cast, it was literally my crew. I was so tense that day that I didn't know if I'd remember how to do my job. I had become really invisible in those two years in my own mind through the depressions and stuff. I couldn't have even told you what my talent was. I, I didn't know how to do what I had been paid to do for years. I was so tense the first day that my thighs were shaking for the rest of the day. And I went home and Max just like kind of caught me in my arms. And I was like, Max, my thighs are twitching. And he's like, but it's done. Your first day's done. And so, sorry, I'm so emotional. No, but... it's fine. This was during the pandemic when you came back for the first yeah. time. In studio? Are you talking about when I'm you got the job about... again or when you guest When hosted? I got welcomed back. Yeah. It was that first day. And I, I like, looking back, you know, it, it was... It was a haul to kind of find myself again. And that's why I think I would never trade what happened because the valleys and the low points, one, are not all bleak and terrible. And there were so many amazing moments, not to mention a strengthened relationship with Kiki Palmer, who I didn't, you know, I got to work side by side. Right. And Michael, who I, we were already friends, but even closer now. All of that and the skills it brought with me, because having hit that dark place for myself I almost came back with a little fearlessness, which a lot of people, including you, when you've given me feedback, say you came back more resolute, a little stronger. You talk, you know, and I think a lot of that came from hitting a, a kind of a rock bottom for myself professionally. I, I, you know, for me personally, I was sad to see you go, excited for you because I, I knew what it meant to you. And we've talked about that beforehand, but I was also selfishly really happy to have the opportunity to bring you back to The View. And I do think as good as you were when you left, you're a stronger host from what you learned on that show. I never put it together as the emotional part of it, but I just figured from hosting a show with just by yourself with uh, Michael and then Michael and Kiki that you had picked up other skills, but you're a, a much stronger host post that show than you were beforehand. Why does this make you so emotional, do you think? Oh, I think because I so vividly remember how invisible I, f I felt. I mm -hmm. remember days where what was playing out in front of me and some of the storylines weren't what was happening. And as I watched it, it's not like The View where they miswrite a story and you laugh because this is such a solid foundational show. My name was in the title at that, at that show and there were things happening like we had known early on they wanted three, so we had been in talks with Kiki for a long time. Mm -hmm. But... Then the press comes out and it's like, you know, the younger I'm I'm pregnant. I'm a mom. I'm older. And I, we needed someone to invigorate, even though we'd known there it was always going to be a three person hour. Right. So all those stories happened. But because I was really depressed, I believed all those. Uh, and, and then you have to go on television and be smiling and happy and. Yeah, and yeah. my and my friends, my that did my hair and makeup, they remember vividly. I don't, I don't remember many days where I wasn't crying in my dressing room. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, it was, a, it was a rough time. And again, no shade to any of the. I worked with some fun, amazing people, and we had a lot of fun. I was in a dark place, and when you're depressed, you can't distinguish reality from your created narratives. And there are things about that show that I really enjoyed. And I thought, especially the chemistry the three of you had. Oh, my God, the laughing until we couldn't talk and, and almost wetting my pants. I mean, it, I would not give back those moments. And there are bits I remember, your Halloween shows and <laughs> yes. things like that. There was so much on that show that was terrific. But I'm sorry you had to go through all that emotionally during it. I mean, I, you know, we uh, Abby Huntsman left The View. And I don't think I was sad to see her go, of course, because I yeah, like Abby very I much. Like and Abby. She did a great job here. But I 
immediately thought, oh, is there any chance we could get Sarah back? And How I lucky was, am I, though? I mean, th- that stuff doesn't line up in this business. And to go through all of that and then not know what was next or coming or, you know. Yeah, it's, and it, it's really led to, and I'm so glad we got you back. And now I feel like we've hit this version of the table now that is just kind of perfect. It's it's so amazing. It has range. It has perspective and different points of view and such different life perspective, like where we all come from, our experiences. You know, it's, it's, it is a great table. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, have you come to terms with it or do you think you're still mourning it a little bit? I think I've I mean, I definitely have come to terms with it because the the raw sadness has gone away. The confidence has come back. I think the problem with like imposter syndrome or these dark thoughts is you never really get rid of them. Mm-hmm. You just learn to live with them. So there are dips and days where my mind goes right back to that place and that sucks. And I think that's where the emotion comes from is I feel bad how quickly I can believe those things. Well, we've been number one now. This is our fourth season as the most watched talk show on television. And I don't think we would have been there if you didn't come back. I, I like I think to tell myself that too. <laughs> no, listen, you're getting a rare compliment from me. And I know, I'll take, it, I'll take it. No, 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 I agree. And um, I think, you know, and that speaks to your abilities from both what you gained there, but also from what the audience feels for you and how the table reacts to you and everything else. Do you think you'd ever want to try another show like that again? That I haven't gotten over. No. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, One, I think I'm an ensemble person, whether that's one to five people. I I feel my most, I feel myself when I can find my role in these family sets, yeah. you know, from Weekend GMA, the greater GMA family, The View. That show, the pressure of holding that up. Not a lot of people throw big budgets and money at these things until you you vet it out, but you have to have all that stuff to make it work. And so it's I realize the business isn't cut out. It, they don't set people up to succeed in that. No, I think you're right about that. We'll be right back after this. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts. People who disappear without a trace. Where is she? The most notorious murder cases in New York. Pure evil. And the most devious killers. There's a Hannibal Lecter feel to him. For chilling true crime stories, follow the True Crime NYC podcast wherever you listen. As in previous campaigns, it's the economy, stupid. We'll be looking at that this morning. First, though, it's the news, stupid. It is the economy, stupid. It's not the economy, stupid. It's national security, stupid. It's the hair, stupid. In 1992, one of the best-known pieces of presidential campaign wisdom was born. It's the economy, stupid. But was it actually the economy that won Bill Clinton that election? In a new series from the 538 Politics podcast, we're taking a look back at conventional wisdom from past elections with a critical lens. Where did that wisdom come from, and does it hold up today? Find the Campaign Throwback series in the 538 Politics feed wherever you get your podcasts. 
All right. I want to talk about the segment we did last week. That is something you really pushed for. Um, we met with a former guest, Pamela, and her grandson, Israel. Now, Pamela is the mother of Ajiga Owens. Now, she was fatally shot by her neighbor seven months ago. And we talked with her and with Israel about how they're doing since the tragedy. And joining them was the chief clinical officer from Experience Camps. Now, this is a camp that helps children navigate grief. In the time since we first had her on, you and Pamela became very close, and you were the one who came up with the idea of bringing them together with this experience camp. I was really, really happy with how it happened, and I appreciate you pushing for it. Um, why, don't, why don't you tell us about it? Okay, so uh, Pam Diaz was on our show last, I want to say May or or something. and um, Seven months ago. Sometimes when it's a sensitive story, I like to meet the people before just to, to say hi, because I can't imagine the pressures they're under. And I went up. And rarely is any guest just alone. I walked up that day and she was by herself in the room and we said nothing to each other. I'd never met her before. And we just held each other. And she cried and then I started to cry. And it was this weird, familiar bond of that. And we never even really spoke. We let go. And I said I was so sorry and that it was so grateful she was here. She comes on, the, you know, she appears on the show and I tracked down her information because I said, I really, if it's okay, I'd love to keep in touch. We became pen pals. And so I was so moved from just Sarah, myself wanting to protect or take care of someone hurting, but also the, my, the mama inside of me, knowing these four beautiful children would not have their mom. It shook me. So I started to... Um, Right. I got I got all kinds of information. She'd write at night when she couldn't sleep about each kid, the ages, the interests, her community, who was helping her, her other her son, because she also has a son that lives down there. And I'd share about my kids. Then we started sending pictures. And along the way, I remember she was saying one of um, she kept finding Africa's the daughter. She kept um, the granddaughter, but the one girl and the four kids. And she was leaving notes. And she said, she's struggling. I really want to find some books for her. Well, I am. Anytime there was a task, I rounded up grief books and sent her a big package of all grief books for the kids. Some of the most beautiful stories she'd write back. And then while that's all playing out and I'd come in and I told my good friend, Anna, who works for the show, Giacometti, not Navarro, Giacometti, I would tell Anna all the time about what I was doing. And she shared with me something she was working on, which was a grief camp because she had lost her dad at 11 years old. And Right as I heard her say grief, because I just searched for grief books, I and I'd done a story on a grief camp years ago, I thought, Anna, this is not a coincidence that you're coming to me. So right away, I get involved following this grief camp. I get in touch with them. I, tr- I want to connect. I tell them about Pam's story. I get them in contact. I don't know what state Pam's in. So I told her, I said, we can sit on the phone and I'll fill it out. Like, I don't know if you need me to like literally fill it out or you want me to hand it to you. She writes me back because I didn't want to push too hard and if she wasn't interested. And she said, Sarah, Sarah, we made the deadline. We're in. And the two boys got in, the two older boys. The other two are young, too young. So then it became this back and forth. The, the clinical people were calling them and we were just giddy. And I thought I'd love to be able to still do more. And that's when we kind of got the idea of an experience camp as a perfect story. And knowing that this was a follow up to a new story we did, how cool and, you know, meaningful is this. And so that's when we pitched it to you and said, there's layers here to this story. It's beautiful. It's keeping track of someone who shared their most vulnerable moment with us. And 
they're awesome. So we had Israel and his grandma here. Yep. And um, I was very nervous about putting someone, uh, a young child, how old was Israel? He's 10? He's, um, he's 10. Yeah. And the idea of putting someone out there in that vulnerable situation on television, I was concerned about it. It's live TV and um, it's emotional. And you took him under your arms when he were here and walked around with him, spent time with him, made him as comfortable as possible. He had a wonderful day. And it was really, really just... Uh, it was like a light for all of us, I think, to see him smiling. Yeah. And um, we were able to do some nice things for him and, and his grandma. And yep. uh, it was one of those days you're kind of like, oh, this is why we do this. Well, when I saw him, having been in touch with Pam for so long and hearing about the kids and sending pictures to meet Israel, I literally swept him in, not thinking as much about why he was there and more. This is what I'd want my kids to see. So like I walked, you know, we showed him the cameras. The cameramen were great. The crew was great. He got he went into the control room and spoke to all the crew on the headset and they were showing him. Now he left and he wants to be a television director. This could have been pivotal. Well, that's great. And listen, if you are listening to this and you didn't get a chance to see that segment, it's on Hulu. It's on YouTube. Yeah. Check it out. It's really worth taking a look at. Um, yeah, and that really experience special. camp, by the way, pay attention because grief is ine- inevitable, universal and isolating, especially for young people who are in touch with all their feelings anyway. So they are saving people through this camp. Um All right. We're running out of time, um, but I do want to play this message because we've been getting messages from podcast listeners and we have a message from a Sarah superfan, Rory in Atlanta. I like how we're ending on top. (laughs) Let's listen. Hey, Brian and Sarah. I just thought I would reach out to Brian through Twitter because he says he checks everything and reads everything. So I would hope he would see this video and at least show it to Sarah because she's constantly saying how she's the like last resort as the host for the podcast and i just want to assure her how much i value her as a co-host i almost a hundred percent of the time agree with her opinion i want someone to say what i'm thinking and sarah always does i really value her voice on the panel i just listened to the madonna one so i wanted to weigh in on that she's a hundred percent right that madonna was in the wrong there for being late and As a gay man, I want to apologize for these gays telling you that you're anti-LGBT because it's absolute garbage. I absolutely agree with you, Sarah. This gay has your back. (laughs) All right. So there we go. Um, Love Rory. Not just because we agree, (laughs) but the fact that he would take the time to track you down, which Rory, he does read everything. So you were right. He found you Um, to take the time to, like, give a shout out like that. That just, ugh, it. I'm I'm obsessed with Rory. Yep. I kind of want to find Rory and become best friends with Rory. All right, I'll be sure to connect the two of you for okay. sure. Do the, do, well, now that's a positive comment. You're not really paying attention to Twitter generally. He found me on Twitter. Do you? Do the negative comments on social media affect you? Absolutely, and it goes back to the story I had about my pivot. There, nobody can beat you up the way you can beat yourself up. The problem is when you're in delicate places mentally, the voices are echoing your own voice and it makes it more convincing. Mm-hmm. So if you dabble in there in the wrong day, it absolutely destroys me, which is why I check in with myself. What am I looking for right now? What am I ready for? You know, and usually I'm not ready for that. So I end up opting to go scroll a news feed or play Sudoku. All right. Well, listen, the next time you're having a tough day, I'm just going to 
put Rory on speed dial. Oh, and, I've got Rory in yeah. my phone. I have saved. I'm going to save Rory and mm-hmm. play Rory like just a, an audio recording of amazingness. So thank you, Rory in Atlanta. <laughs> I feel so seen by you. <laughs> That's great. Well, thank you for joining me today, Sarah. You were a wonderful podcast guest today. Tomorrow, I'll be back with Sonny. The number to call or text us with questions is right here in the episode description. That's also where you can find a way to leave us a a review, to give us some uh, rating. You can find me on Twitter if you need to find me, but keep keep the information coming because I want to know what you guys like and uh, what you think we could do more of. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. As in previous campaigns, it's the economy, stupid. We'll be looking at that this morning. First, though, it's the news, stupid. It is the economy, stupid. It's not the economy, stupid. It's national security, stupid. It's the hair, stupid. In 1992, one of the best-known pieces of presidential campaign wisdom was born. It's the economy, stupid. But was it actually the economy that won Bill Clinton that election? In a new series from the 538 Politics podcast, we're taking a look back at conventional wisdom from past elections with a critical lens. Where did that wisdom come from, and does it hold up today? Find the Campaign Throwback series in the 538 Politics feed wherever you get your podcasts.